This is Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manise. Today's program is a bit of a Nordic special, where we hear from the winners at this year's Icelandic Design Awards, after which we'll pay a visit to a Danish museum that has proved itself to be best in glass. Wordplay absolutely intended. All that coming up on Monocle on Design. Since its foundation in 2014, the Icelandic Design Awards have celebrated creative excellence in the country, recognising the work of creatives in fields like architecture and product design. To find out more about the event, Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, sat in this very studio in London and caught up with the journalist Moshe Lundström down the line. Moshe covered the event for us here at Monocle on Design and gathered interviews with some of the winners. Natalie began by asking Moshe why the awards offer such a significant platform for emerging creatives across the nation. It really is the preeminent award in Iceland for the design community, and it was founded by a woman named Hakla Helgadotter, um, and she was a designer herself and saw the need for the Icelandic design community to come together and celebrate a peer nominated and award decided upon by an Icelandic jury of designers and creatives from different disciplines. What's so interesting is a lot of people within the Icelandic design community, they don't just do one thing. They're not just one type of designer. They're very multidisciplinary. And the awards really reflect that. They're held at Groska, which is a gorgeous new complex that combines kind of a state-of-the-art business and office setting with a theatre and something called a methyl, which are taking over Iceland right now, which are these wonderful food halls that uh, all the best Icelandic chefs will set up. So it's just a very ideal place to create and for designers to be celebrated as well. And it's wonderful because these awards are also supported by like the Icelandic University of the Arts, Promote Iceland, Lensvikern, uh, which is one of the banks. So it's, it's a really beautiful event and Icelanders love to really, like they're very patriotic and celebrate their own. So it was so wonderful to see them all um, take part. Sounds really inspiring. And one of the winners of this year's Design Innovation Awards was Plastplan, right? And you got to speak to them while you were there. Tell me a little bit about who they are and uh, their background and also why did they deserve this award? Yeah, Plastplan is um, a design collective that I've been following for a few years now because they've been showing each year at the Honormars, which is the Icelandic uh, design march it translates to, which is like their version of Fashion Week meets Salone de Mobile uh, all rolled into one. Um, And they're a design studio that focuses on using recycled materials that are mainly plastic and they source them from what they call as their local collaborators. So it's everyone from a grocery chain like Kronin or Bonus, the main Icelandic grocery stores, to um, what you'll hear them say, a a sex shop. All of their excess plastic, they collect from their various partners and convert into usable candy-colored 
fixtures that they then deliver back to these retailers and brands. It's founded by two very dynamic creators, Bjorn Steiner and Bini Stefansson. Um, and they've been using this plastic waste since 2019, which really started off as an educational project trying to show if they could do this, but has now turned into a whole company and they actually sell some of their products to the public, cutting boards and vases and this type of thing. And they've developed their own machinery and the products um, are incredibly playful and you wouldn't know just looking at them that they have such a meaningful backstory. How resourceful and exciting. Let's hear from the co-founders of Plastplan now. <laughs> it means the world to me. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because quite a lot of the time we're taking mass times in the studio thinking <laughs> what the hell are we doing <laughs> with our gas masks on, masking some plastic, uh, to be... Reminded that this is relevant, it's very important to us. Yeah, my name is uh, Brynjolfur Stefansson. I am, uh, well, co-owner of Plusplan. Uh, my name is Björn Steinar Blumenstein and I'm, I'm the other half of Plusplan and a product designer. It started out as a small community platform, basically. A relatively small exhibition where we were just educating people about how to recycle plastic, the potential of the material. But then we quickly realized that if we were to actually make any changes or something, we needed to develop a functioning business plan out of it. So tell me about some of the companies you're sourcing from, if mm -hmm. you can say, and some of the products you are creating from what would be waste. Yeah, it's very various companies. Yeah. So everything from... Uh, uh, what you call a love store or a, a public library to a supermarket and a trash company, ice cream company. Uh, so I think what people mostly know us from uh, is our collaboration with Kronan, the Icelandic supermarket. And their needs are very different. For the Kronan, the supermarket, we've been making uh, dividers, we've been making uh, medals for the football, for a foot, small football tournament that they have for children. Uh, windshield scrapers for the trash company. Windshield scrapers. We call this like very mundane innovation. Yeah. And we're not striving for fantasy stuff in these local collaborations. Just plain simple stuff that works and speaks to a very general audience. Yeah. But it's actually not that mundane because <laughs> it's very, I mean, it's very Icelandic to be thinking about the environmental footprint of a sex shop and how <laughs> that can be improved yeah, and yeah, made yeah. to reflect societal values. These are actually, like all our collaborators are quite progressive. We're like pushing each other's boundaries a bit. Yeah. Uh, they are, all of our collaborators are super demanding. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a... It's a very difficult task to maintain these collaborations, but if they weren't so demanding, we wouldn't be recycling so much. We wouldn't have evolved this fast. Yeah. From the moment I first laid eyes on your work, what really is striking about it, first off, is the aesthetic appeal. It's colorful, it's happy, there's mm -hmm. even like a primitive aspect yeah. to it as well that's very charming but then on top of that you learn the story and that it's made from recycled materials tell me a bit about from an aesthetic standpoint what you're inspired by and what you're aiming to achieve with the design and that's actually the tricky thing because yeah. for the first year and a half we relied on plastic charity 
we've relied on people being sympathetic towards our design, knowing that it was recycled plastic, which was kind of making up for the designs not being good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as we learned how to handle the material better, how to design better with the material in mind, we managed to create these pieces that are just strong and independent without you even knowing that it's recycled plastic. In regards to the aesthetic of the items themselves, uh, when you pick up one of our items, one of our crazy colored tie-dyed uh, windshield scrapers or whatever, it screams recycled. It screams, I am something old made into something new. People pick it up and you almost immediately know that it is not just a regular plastic item that you would find anywhere else. Yeah. But it's part of a visual language that is increasingly relevant right now. People are really drawn to things like Mm -hmm. terrazzo and mosaics yeah. and things that have this multicolorful textural appeal. How did you decide that that's it's, how you wanted to... It's different. Yeah, and, and also I think it's just kind of a lot of coincidence because plastic, the material itself, as we try to preach, is an amazing raw material to work with and the plastic just kind of works in this way. That was the co-founders of Plastplan there, and we are now going to speak to the winners of the Best Investment in Product Design Award. Moshe, tell me about this brand and how they stood out to you when, when you were at the award ceremony. Folk Reykjavik has opened up a real hub of Nordic design in the heart of town in a new developed area that really champions what new Nordic design means now. And as we know, people look to Scandinavia and the Nordic world to be really leaders in home decor and interior design, um, just because the taste level is so elevated um, and there's that real minimalist aesthetic, but then still this idea of like, the Danish concept that we all talk about of hygge in Icelandic, they just call it cozy. And it's this idea of creating things for your home that really make you feel nurtured and create a sense of warmth. So Folk Reykjavik is an emerging Icelandic interior and lifestyle brand that was founded in 2017. And their focus is on combining modernity with sustainability. Their founder and creative director, Ragna Sara Jonsdatter, who I spoke to, works with a collective of progressive designers that she assembles and commissions to create exclusive smart homeware, furniture, lifestyle products that are really beautiful. And I love the utilization of a lot of local Icelandic materials as well. So it's a great place to pop into if you're ever visiting Reykjavik and want like a truly authentic piece of Icelandic design that is really well thought out and, and beautiful and clever in all ways. Excellent. So let's hear from Folk Reykjavik. It means a lot to win an award because all startup companies, they go through this phase that you really need to work a lot and you have no security about the future. You don't really know what's going to happen to your project. So this is a validation. It's, um, I'm very thankful. And I'm also thankful for all the people, you know, the designers and all our uh, collaborators that have worked with us and that have been incredibly positive towards what we do and what we want to do. Congratulations on your win tonight. 
Thank you. Why do you think both locally and internationally people have responded so warmly to the work that's being put out through the Folk Reykjavik Collective? We just um, emphasize and we are really rooted in like a grassroots, so to say. Like we're not here to do greenwashing or to try to sell more stuff. I come from the sustainability field. Um, I'm not a salesperson or anything. So I think that people see through your message and they see through what you want to add and the, the messages the brand is giving. When people think of Nordic and Scandinavian designs, there's a number of codes and kind of symbols and styles that come to mind. But what Folk Reykjavik is really doing is redefining and further defining Icelandic style. What do you think modern Icelandic style means and looks like today? Yeah, I think it's really hard to define. I think it's kind of exploratory still because we don't really have a heritage that we have to live up to. Like if you look at Denmark, for example. So we have sort of a, the freedom to explore. And I think that's what is of much value here in Iceland. The work we do with our designers, they are allowed to do a lot of things. They don't have to live up to a standard that is already established. So I think that's important. We get a lot of, of value out of it. Uh, so they can come up with incredible stuff. Definitely. And throughout the Nordic world, there really is an emphasis on form and function being married. It's baked into the culture, certainly in Iceland as well, in a country that has, you know, so much darkness. And this idea of having a home that is your inner world, that is cozy. Tell me a bit about how that extends to the product assortment that you highlight at Folk Reykjavik. So it's important that your home makes you feel like welcoming, makes you feel uh, like you're not in isolation, like sometimes happens. We can't go out because there's a, a weather warning, like you can't send your kids to school, you know maybe for two or three days. That happened last winter. <laughs> so <laughs> we deal with extraordinary circumstances. And I think that people in Iceland, they tend to have uh, very carefully curated homes. And we're just beginning to explore this. What is the Icelandic style? And we are different from the Nordic or the Scandinavian style. We don't really know today, like, what it looks like. It's still coming into form and shape. and I think so, yeah. Design is a young field in Iceland. That was founder and creative director of Folk Reykjavik, Ragna Sara Jonsdottir. Moshe, just to finish, uh, given your extensive knowledge of Icelandic design, do you have any final reflections on, on the trends and the evolution of uh, modern Icelandic design that you've experienced at, uh, during your trip last week? Yeah, well, there's just such an intrinsic appreciation for nature and for the landscape and for protecting what is Iceland's greatest resource, which is the natural world. And it's really inspiring to see how that is 
not in any way um, separate from the creative process for creators and makers in Iceland. It's not even sometimes highlighted that something is sustainable. It's really just a given that it would be. And this idea of like being very resourceful, I think is so intrinsically Icelandic. It's really baked into the culture that you use everything and that you find new resources for other things. So it's really beautiful to see this continue in Icelandic culture. And I think it's such a model for other places. I certainly think Iceland's island location and the fact that it is hard to get things there even today, having this lack of resources sometimes is what actually spurs a lot of the creative output because it forces people to look around them and come up with ideas that are uh, incredibly innovative and out of the box. Moshe Lundstrom there, in conversation with Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi. We'll be right back after this. Keen for some well-informed company to take you from your suite to your sun lounger this summer? Well, the Monocle Companion is out now. Packed with 50 inspiring essays to improve everything from your vacation to your vocation, our first ever paperback is packed with long reads, inspiration and cheery ideas to make you happy. Head to monocle.com for more. We head to Denmark now to pay a visit to the small port town of Abeltoft. Here, a museum dedicated to glass artistry has showcased contemporary works from both Danish and international makers since 1986. This show's producer, Maylee Evans, went along to the Glass Museet Abeltoft to find out why this hub for experimentation really is best in glass. I'm at the Hot Glass Studio in Abeltoft's Glass Museet, where for nearly 40 years, glass blowers have produced work and demonstrated their skills to the public. As Pia Bittner, head of comms at the museum, explains, the studio has been part of the museum since the very start. We have uh, our regular glassblowers working here every day, but uh, then we have a lot of visiting glassblowers from all over the world coming by. Sometimes they, they are just visiting Abeltoft because they know some of the glassblowers in town and are meeting with them. Other points... Um, they are here because they are part of an exhibition in the museum and then they work in the studio and demonstrate how they work. Yeah, the studio is not just a place for demonstrating glass blowing for our visitors, but also a meeting place for Danish and international glass artists from all over the world. Dale Chihuly visited, demonstrated his skills. Lino Talia Pietra was here doing his amazing Italian technique. So we had some of the really, really uh, big, famous names within uh, international studio glass art. And then a lot of the younger generation have also visited. Uh, and they are also doing amazing work, rejuvenating uh, the classical techniques and uh, just being very experimental and um, playful. The glass assistant Mirna Denaro brings out a glob of molten glass and deftly rolls and twists it, shaping it into the form of a snowman. She describes the subtle choreography needed when working with such malleable material, which is what draws her to working with it. Like you, you need to have so many details in the movement you have, so everything counts if you, you lift your, your pipe a little too high, it, 
it, it uh, falls down on your pipe if you, you point it to the ground it falls off and so many if you are not uh, constantly uh, spinning your pipe it, it doesn't work so so many details you need to think of Mirna is doing uh, this uh, piece by herself but uh, when we have had visiting artists for instance uh, Raven Sky River or John Moran who does sculptural work really complicated sculptural work there can be sometimes four or five people around to, to assist but but what's at the center over here in the studio is really the material and the craftsmanship and it's just wonderful to be able to show that yeah so this is uh, actually our garden and you can see all the buildings which form the museum now we are leaving the studio and you can see the old building, the customs house from 1921. And then the, the newer building where we have a little more space. The contemporary artists working in glass uh, are also sometimes doing very large installations or pieces hanging from uh, the ceiling, uh, which we have an example of right now. So it gives uh, some other possibilities for showing large works or complicated installations. How did this building, this site become such like a, a stop on, on international glassmakers, I guess, journeys. Well, Do uh, Mills Karlslund had a studio here in Abeltoft. Um, Finn Lingard moved to Abeltoft, took over the house that, that she had and the studio, uh, and he started a glass studio there. He also used to be a teacher in glass at the, at the design school. He came to Abeltoft with some of his students and some other glassmakers. There was really a lot of attention there was now a new glass studio in town and uh, he had a lot of uh, international contacts around the world in this uh, international studio glass movement. The artists suggested that there should be a museum for studio glass in Abeltoft and international support followed. Donations of work came in from glass blowers across the world. A key facet for this institution is the fact that artists have been central to decisions made in what gets acquired to their permanent collections as well as the exhibitions on show. And, uh, the solo exhibition was works by Danish glass artist Steffen Dam, uh, who actually works here just outside Abeltoft. And uh, what we see here is pretty uh, surprising, I'd say, because uh, this big space has been uh, conquered by an aircraft hovering under the ceiling, it uh, looks like a seat or a, an old zeppelina or something like that. And it is totally handmade by uh, Stefan Damm, who is uh, sort of also an inventor, working in other materials uh, than glass also. The exhibition is called Come Fly With Me. So it's really uh, an invitation to sit down here and... Uh, Enjoy whatever it is that you are experiencing. Maybe it's a child's dream of flying out into space, or maybe it's something else. It's very important for us to be uh, part uh, of the local professional glass community, but uh, Stefan is not chosen because he works close by. Uh, he's actually one of the very best glassmakers, uh, artists working in glass in Denmark. So that's why we, we have a wish to, to show his work for people. 
So it's just a coincidence that two top glass artists are in such close vicinity. The other solo exhibition currently featured is another Danish artist whose exhibition Stories to be Told shows a very different way of working with glass. She has really explored uh, glass uh, for many, many years uh, and uh, particularly um, how to sculpt with glass. Sounds maybe a bit um, contradictory because you can't touch it and sculpt uh, it with your fingers, but she makes models, sculptures in clay because she really uh, enjoys this um, slow process of modeling. And then she makes a form of plaster uh, in which she can make the, f- the finished cast glass sculpture. It's a long process. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, working like this, it, it uh, gives her the opportunity to, to combine the slow way of sculpting and really building up a sculpture three-dimensionally. She knows where the light will go through the glass and she knows where to make the, the layers thick and thin in order to really exploit the qualities of, of glass as a special material. also an example of um, another way that Lena is working is still cast glass but this is an installation consisting of a framework with uh, reliefs plates that uh, are mounted in this uh, framework and a lot of them have uh, traces uh, of nature which are directly sort of their imprints tree or berries uh, that she has found and that she has made them into glass making Again, the colors are very subtle, and there is a calmness. The museum's permanent collection houses 1,600 works from glass artists from across the globe. Again, showing the range and possibilities afforded by glass in both technique and scale. Installation by Tondor um, Patterson from the Faroe Islands called the Cosmic Space, and it's really a, a mirror um, installation. And then you're surrounded by this amazing glass painting, stained glass, uh, abstractly painted with a lot of wonderful colors. The ceiling is also a mirror, so it's really an endless space. It's pretty scary. <laughs> the first time you step out on the out in space here. And I've been working here now for 15 years and uh, I'm still surprised and amazed of the qualities of glass and uh, the the many, many different ways uh, there is uh, to work with glass. Pushing innovation and experimentation is still at the forefront of the museum. The institution's newest director, Mikkel Elming, has been in post for close to a year now and has great ambition for how the institution can look ahead. We are not just a museum of studio glass. Uh, we are also a museum of contemporary art made in glass. There is uh, an old like, uh, division between crafts and art, but I'm very interested in, in trying to break down those boundaries and and look at creativity as a whole. The museum also has a history of working very experimentally with glass, maybe even more so after I've joined the team here. We're working towards finding out what it means to be a museum 
that has a specific material approach, how we can also work with that in terms of some of the big challenges that we face as society nowadays, working with resources of the earth. Something that we are thinking about very much nowadays is how do we become sustainable? Because glass production in itself is not a very sustainable production, but there is ways to, to go there. And, uh, and we also want to look at how the art that we're creating can shape us as an institution. How do we invite artists that are concerned with material approaches, have thoughts and how can we have them affect the way we work as an institution, the way we think as an institution. So I really want to create a place where you get an impression of development and you get an impression that we're experimenting and, and also sometimes failing in terms of, of uh, what we're creating. That's very much my hope that we'll get to that point where, where a visit to the museum is also a visit to a museum that is like no other museum you've ever met because we're we're trying to be transparent about the thinking that goes into creating art and art exhibitions and art projects. That was Mikkel Elming there, director of the Glass Museum Abeltoft. And the two solo exhibitions are on show until the 30th of December 2022. For Monocle in Abeltoft, I'm Maylie Evans. And that's all for today's show. For more design stories, listen to our five-minute midweek bonus show, Monocle on Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. And if you enjoy print, then do pick up a copy of Monocle magazine as well. It's on all good newsstands now. Today's episode was produced and edited by Maylee Evans. I'm Nick Manese, and you can reach me on nm at monocle.com. Thanks for listening.